Welcome back to Drop Into Life Podcast, Season 1, Episode 10. Today, I chat with my friend Ogechi about his experience attending a protest in the wake of George Floyd's death. We also talk about the video of George Floyd's death and the charges of the officers involved. We discuss whether the police should be reformed or abolished. Lastly, we talk about what we should do considering the perpetual injustices that black people experience in America. This is Dropping Into Life Podcast, Season 1, Episode 10. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Dropping Into Life Podcast, Season 1, Episode 10. I'm glad you're listening to the podcast, all of you who are tuning in. Thank you for all of your support. Today we are coming, we're back, and we're coming with a new podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with my guest Ogechi about the George Floyd protests. He actually had a chance to attend one of the protests after work, so he's here to talk about his experience, and also we're going to talk about our overall, overall the, the murder of George Floyd and, and the protests and what that means. Um, Ogechi, thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, and, and this is not the first time that you came on the podcast. I just want to mention that as well. For all any of you who have been following along with the podcast since the beginning, Ogechi actually was my very first guest on episode one of this season. So we have him back. We're talking about something different, but yeah, coming back again. This is coming, I don't know, this is a recurring thing. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see. Um, okay, so before I start, I just want to give a little bit of background to... Um, just so that we're all on the same page of what has happened and why you attended um, the George Floyd protest. So, and I'm sure some of you have known, some of you know this, most of you know this, but I'm going to go over anyways just to make sure we're on the same page. Uh, George Floyd was a black man in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, he went into a store to buy something and the person who was working at the store did not um, think that George Floyd's form of payment was credible, so he called the police on George Floyd. The police eventually came, uh, they detained him, they took him from his car, they detained him, and eventually uh, one police officer in particular, Derek Chauvin, put his knee uh, on George Floyd's neck while George Floyd was on the ground, uh, detained. This resulted in his death after several minutes of George Floyd being pinned down to the ground. Um, so with that being said, there's been an uproar, of course, a lot of people have become angry at what has happened because it was in uh by you know by both of us we can say that was an unjust death you know i mean how does a counterfeit bill or anything like that end up you know in the death of of somebody so Mm -hmm. that's something that's interesting to talk about and that's what we're going to talk about today ogechi how was your experience uh during the protest and uh well first of all let me not even say that why did you why did you even attend the protest and how was it for you um so, the protest um, started to take place uh, in my area in which I live, I would say about two weeks after the initial um, uh, murder of George Floyd um, that took place, and I I had been hearing of protests that had started to begin um, earlier than that. Um, however, I didn't hear of any going on around where I lived, like I said, until about two weeks or so afterwards. Um, 
to speak on the situation itself, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a disheartening and, and, and very tragic situation to um, see, even, even um, not first person, but just on your phone or wherever one may have seen the video, something like that. And death in general is sort of like um, prevalent to a degree in a lot of our culture, especially in the media, whether it be movies or TV shows. But when you see an actual murder take place, um, it really, and then when you see it um, in the context in which it happened, um, it really, you never, you never truly get used to it while ironically as numbing it's becoming because of the history that we've seen in regards to police brutality or the murder of um, black people or other people of color by police. And so I never watched the entire video. I only saw bits and pieces of it, uh, particularly the um, parts where uh, Derek Chauvin, the officer, had his knee on uh, George Floyd's neck and the other officers were around at the time and everything. But, um, yeah, it was just really, it was just really, really difficult to watch. And so, but at the same time, too, my sentiment towards it wasn't really anything different than what I had seen before. Um, as far as me, once I did hear that protest were happening around where I live as far as myself wanting to go to one one was partly due to the fact that I had never been to one before so um, it would be a new experience for me but because of that it also created a bit of um, um, weariness in my mind as far as you know um, how I would feel about going if I would feel uncomfortable or not and so initially, I was hoping to go with uh, two friends of mine because um, I felt like maybe if I did that, I would feel just a bit more, you know, comfortable, not just as far as safety is concerned per se, but sometimes, you know, when you're alone in an environment that's um, that in a setting that is that has been created out of a situation that's not so great, you, you kind of don't really know how to feel or you don't really know um, how you're gonna feel come the moment you actually go to one. But uh, that never worked out and I wasn't able to go with any of my friends. So I just ended up going to the one in uh, my local area by myself. By yourself? Yeah, yeah, because it was pretty close to me and yeah, it was like very close to me. And so I ended up going because though I did have my own sort of, um, not doubts, but again, like, you know, weariness about going to one or not, having not ever been to a protest before, I felt like overall the, what I could take away from the experience would benefit me more than how I was feeling prior to. 
But but I also want to mention the fact that I mean this is a podcast nobody is seeing us as we're talking right now but yeah. they're listening to us. You're black, uh-huh. right? You're a person of color. I'm a person of color as well, right? So how does that play into how you view the situation? Because Derek Chauvin, let's set this record straight. He was white. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, George Floyd was black, right? And so yes. again. George Floyd, black man killed by a white police officer. Something that we've seen before, mm-hmm. right? Something that, something that's not, you know, something that doesn't is not necessarily like the first time we've seen, right? So how does how does like the fact that you are a person of color, right, and play into play into what you saw in that video and your participation in the protests? You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I've. Though I can definitely, to some degree, internalize it just by the reality of being black and living in this country. Um, the first time I even ever witnessed any form of um, um, unjust murder of a black person, whether it be by police or anyone else, because coincidentally... The first time I had witnessed that or I had become aware of that in my entire life was the murder of Trayvon Martin, which took place in Florida. I used to live there, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't in the same area, so my environment didn't particularly seem to change. Like, there wasn't, like, a huge uproar in my community or anything around the time that it happened, but... um I was definitely closer to it, and that was the first time I had ever witnessed it. And um, at that time, I remember just thinking, well, of course, yeah, it wasn't right then either what had happened, and it was a very horrible situation. But um, I always remember the takeaway of that was just um, not necessarily that dressing a certain way as a black person or... Um, giving off a certain demeanor as a black person um, was necessarily something that justified your eventual demise or murder by whether it be policed or anyone. But because I was so young, and especially too because um, my mom had witnessed it as well, it was a confirmation of like, okay, as a black person living in this country, um, you definitely have to walk, quote-unquote, more carefully. And though it's not necessarily a guarantee to say that if you do that, something won't happen to you, but it's just in your own best interest to try and not allow the people who do things such as that to feel as though they even have more reason, just out of your own will to survive. And so... At that time, I sort of internalized it as that because I never really felt in my... My interaction with police has been extremely limited, and I've never had any interactions with police, at least to my knowledge, that have been out of um, any sort of animosity or anything like that. But um, And so it's weird because I've never literally, again, to my knowledge, have felt targeted by a police officer in any particular instance in my life, but yet 
I still know the reality is that I'm black. And so that is still very much a possibility. And so, yeah, it does affect me in regards to seeing the situation and then wanting to go to the protest because it's like, because it's like, at the end of the day, you don't need to be in the exact same shoes as any particular person. You don't even have to have the exact same experience as any particular person to know when they've been treated unjustly or they've been treating or they've been treated wrongly. And so honestly, I can just say for my own obviously it would be a different I would have a different I definitely believe I'd have a even if it's just a slightly different perspective if I wasn't black, of course, but I feel like when I just look and I think about it deep down inside um, from an emotional aspect, for me at least, I never thought to myself, I'm black, so I need to go to this protest. I thought that this is something that's wrong and I feel like um, in any other case when you're trying to advocate for something to change or to or for something to be done differently, it always helps to be in community with like-minded people. So that way your voice is um, magnified. And so I felt like, yeah, that overall aspect would not only benefit the situation in general, but also myself because it was an opportunity to learn more and to, again, just be in a space where I can hear the voices of other people because prior to that it would only just be friends and family that I may may or may not talk to these situations but going to something like that I can actually see the perspective and the the um the feelings of random people that I don't even know strangers and that was a part of the experience that was great as well to just know that you know there are just random people that you don't even have any particular connection with that also think that this is not right and this mm-hmm. shouldn't be happening. So, yeah, that was really my um, motivation behind eventually going to one. Yeah, different people coming together mm-hmm. are the same, basically to protest the same injustice that happened. Yeah. So, interesting. Okay. And, and I just want to highlight, I just thought about it as you were talking. I mean, and then we can, I might ask you one more question about um, the protests. But if you really think about it, right, and the fact that you're, you're saying that, you know, you talked about Trayvon Martin, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just talking about how being a person of color, being a black person in America, right? You, you, you're thinking to yourself that, you know, you... Even though you, like you said, you don't have, you haven't had any necessarily bad interactions with the police so far, right? Yeah. Um, that you still have that in the back of your mind. You still think about that. You know what I mean? The fact that black men are actually, um, you know, being, some might be actually being told, you know what I mean? Of course. That, you know, listen man, or, you know, when we talk about, we, I want to mention the talk. We're not talking, and when I mention the talk for black people or for people of color, I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about the talk as in, listen, man, you're, uh, or listen, whoever, you're a black person in America. Mm-hmm. 
the police might not always be on your side. Keep your hand, if you get pulled over, keep your hands on the steering wheel when the police come. Don't reach for anything. Don't move. Uh, be compliant. Don't show any, any uh, too much emotion because that might, I don't know, um, influence how the police officer treats you. Mm -hmm. And I've heard about that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I personally, I think my mom might have been, might have told me that once. But the yeah. very fact is, just like you, I haven't had any necessarily adverse uh, reactions with the uh, interactions with the police. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Up until now. But the very fact that people of color have to be told, you know, and warned that this could happen should not be. Yeah. It should not be. And the very fact of the matter is that if this murder was not caught on camera, would, the question is, of course... Would the police just have gotten off? Because it's not like this is the first time that, mm -hmm. you know, black people have been, you know, somebody has been maybe killed or, you know, because we've had, you know, there have been lynchings. I've seen pictures of people hanging from trees, you get what I'm saying? You know, you have these different things like this. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I want to, I want, I just, I want to mention that and I want to move, uh, before we move on, I want to ask you something else. Mm -hmm. How was the protest um, that you went to compared to what's seen on maybe YouTube or on TV in terms of in terms of violence? In terms of because I remember my dad watches CNN a lot, and I remember seeing pictures of maybe you know police cars police cars burning, um, pepper spray or some kind of um, gas being shot into the into the crowds by the police, police in riot gear. Uh, buildings being destroyed, maybe burning, things like that. I've seen things like that, right? And you've yeah. probably seen that too. And I'm sure all you guys in the audience listening to this podcast have seen it, heard about it. How has how was the protest that you went to compared to those? Like, was it violent? Was it was it peaceful? How was it? Um, yeah, no. My experience uh, going to the protest was 100% cordial, peaceful. There was no... Um, uh, animosity in regards to the crowd or the police officers as well um, um, that um, were in that area in which I went to um, yeah it was it was just calm and all it was was just the expression of the sentiment of the people who were there you had different speakers um, on a little sort of pavilion stage, so to speak. And they had, they talked about their own experiences sometimes. There was a few uh, performance pieces. There was even some musicians that had um, performed as well, uh, songs in relation to not necessarily the situation, but, you know, just like, black issues or the the black experience living in America and yeah it was it was it was quite calm now I know definitely uh, the instances of what you're talking about and from my knowledge those are definitely the ones that occurred literally right after the actual footage started to um, get out in the the press and the media of George Floyd's murder, uh, especially in Minnesota where they did, I believe, um, burn down that one precinct or whatever. Yes, I think it's, I saw a video yeah. of that, I think. Some bur I think some police building, maybe. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, and to, to touch on that, because I do feel like it's important and it's something that 
I also um, pondered and thought about uh, at the time when it had happened, you know. Um, and when I mean ponder, I don't mean the sentiment in which that had happened, those cases of um, rioting or looting. Um, because overall, I'll sit here and I'll just tell you 100% that I believe the sentiment behind it for the most part in general because I don't think that amount of anarchy or damage can be done just by a group of people just wanting to loot a target or else we would probably see that more often but this is not something that takes place regularly to this magnitude at least and so I believe the sentiment behind it is just out of pure anger and frustration and uh, the fact that these situations have happened so many numerous times in the past and justice, for the most part, really has never been served to the perpetrators of those crimes. Um, and it's funny and also sad how it was that sort of reaction by the public that then led to the eventual charges of Derek Chauvin as well as the other officers because they weren't initially charged once the footage leaked out. It took the aftermath of what had been happening for that to actually be delivered. Um, so yeah, as far as the sentiment and the frustration, I don't really have any sort of disagreements with that because let's, let's just be quite honest. Like it's, it's, if we look at just the entire history of um, injustice, particularly in regards to black people, uh, minorities in this country, it, it really doesn't equate. And if you, in my opinion, believe that it equates, then I think you're just purely ignoring the, the are reality. You, are you saying, in terms of equating, are you saying that the injustices that have been um, committed on black people compared to the rioting now. Is that what you're saying? It doesn't equate, meaning that the stuff in the past kind of justifies this? Or I'm, saying, saying that I'm saying the damage from... The damage is done yeah, now. The I'm saying the the damage, like the physical... If we're just talking about physical damage of like... Done now during the... Yeah, break. done now of from the instances okay. of rioting and okay. looting and all those different things target, you know, okay. being robbed or whatever, does not equate to okay. the in light hundreds of, of years of literally because all of this, okay. all of this, is whether or not you want to admit it, it's all interconnected, and so yeah, I believe that. Basically, if you are, listen, let me also clear it up too. I'm not an advocate for, <clears throat> um anarchy even if it's from a righteous place like i'm not an advocate for um destruction that's just not a part of my nature um uh regardless of whether or not i believe the sentiment is fair or justified i still think that um one there are people that you are trying to fight for the rights for that may be affected by the destruction that you might be partaking in, uh, as well as innocent people as well. 
and also too if we're just talking about um strategy in regards to bringing forth progress and change it really does little not saying that again it wasn't uh it wasn't a factor in the charges being brought to those officers because i believe it was but um um i think the riding in and of itself can do more to harm um the cause the overall cause which is systemic change because it will be used against you even though i don't think that's right it just will be and um the fact is too that really truly target burning down you looting some local businesses, maybe even within your neighborhoods in which you're living, that are already disenfranchised, the systems above don't really care that much about those places. Like, those places can be, um, money can go back to Target. Like, there's, that's not necessarily something that really hurts their own bottom line. So, I think that, and I'll, yeah, I'll finish up with that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, um, um, there's better ways in which to, or I just think that there's just other things that are going to do more to actually help the cause in those. But I understand, especially right after that situation had happened, how it led to that sort of response. And, um, okay. um, and I think, I think it's, I think it's something important to recognize too. I mean, if you look at all the people groups, uh, the demographic, right? People groups in the, this country, in the United States. Which people group, or which we can say race, mm-hmm. right, has had the most uh, things done to them? Which one has been the most oppressed over history? And if you really think about it, I can't. Maybe I need to. Do I need to look it up? Maybe I do. But based on what I know already, mm-hmm. you know, when we go from slavery, and let's be honest too, slaves are not only in the United States. Slaves are brought to other places in the world. Yeah. Right? But we're talking about black people, uh, people from Africa being brought here. Yeah. We had slavery. You know, slavery came, segregation, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And still, we see things now of, you know, for example, like the George Floyd murder of a black person murdered for basically no reason. Even if he had like a counterfeit, I don't know, some kind of counterfeit money or something that the person at the store, yeah. right, was not confident in. That doesn't, that doesn't equate or that doesn't justify murder. How does, mur- how does it escalate from that to murder, you get what I'm saying? These are questions I need to ask. If you think about it, I don't know of any other people group in the United States who has been more oppressed historically than black people. Do you? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I can't, I can't. So, think, I don't, I don't even think honestly to, to just generally, I, and I'm not saying like, you know, other um, people of color aren't disenfranchised as well or anything like that. But if we're just being historically accurate, no, I don't think it really comes close because one, black people have been in this country longer as far as uh, race demographics than any other race, apart from white people, obviously. Um, Native so, Americans were here too. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. If, if there's a close second, if not, like, I can't speak to the amount of Native Americans that were in this country prior to um, the colonization of it, but if there is a very close second, then it definitely is them, because so much so to, they make up a fraction of the population living in America now. Um, but yeah, apart from those two, uh, groups, yeah, I don't really think it's, um, I don't think it's a, 
a close race or anything like that. But at the end of the day, I don't even think for most people, even black people, that is even sort of the concern. Like, uh, sure, you might have some people who are sort of obsessed with this idea of like um, who suffered more or whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think um, uh, black people are looking at other racial minorities and saying like, ah, oh, we've had it so much harder than them. And like, you know, making that the crux of their, you know, their fight for um, justice. I think but it's the, pointed to the people who are actually yeah. committing it. Yeah, but also to the fact that it keeps on, but we keep on seeing injustice is done to black people over, you know, like throughout history and even now, you know what I mean, something like that happening. How can this happen now? Even when people are taking, you know, are taking shots, right? Yeah. And the, the thing is like, bro, like these police officers were people afraid to step up. I mean, who has the guns? If you really think about it. Now, I don't know about Minneapolis. I know here in the state that we're living in right now, you know, people, not a lot of people are carrying on guns outwardly. They might have them in their houses, but they're not having them, you know, walking around or anything like that. You know what I mean? They're not, there's not a lot of hunting, especially where we are right now. Yeah. In this part of our state. Mm-hmm. But Bro, like, I'm just thinking, like, the police who Derek Chauvin and the other police, because he wasn't the only police officer that was there. There were, what, two or three other police officers, I believe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody, there was, there was footage taken of George Floyd's murder, right? We've yeah. all seen it. But the fact of the matter is, is, like, nobody, who stopped him? You get what I'm saying? Well, who, could, could somebody have stopped him? And, yeah, I think that's kind of. Because they have, they have the guns. That's basically what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean. So it's kind of, I think that's an interesting thing to. Well, yeah, in a sense, I get what you're saying. Do you mean, in, in, in as far as your question of who has the guns... Okay, because what I infer you mean by that is, like, you know, the fact that in this particular... Um, or in that particular instance, I guess, to our knowledge, we couldn't really know for sure, but, like, just based off of the video, there was no other guns involved apart from the ones that the police officers may have had on them, right? We just As far as we know. Yeah. Um, now, and I've heard people talk about it too, especially um, some black people who are like um, saying, honestly, at this point, um, we're seeing these instances and as black people, we've kind of gotten to a point where this sort of brutality against um, us as a people have gotten to the point where we're not going to get justice from the criminal justice system because we've seen it before. These cops get off free. They may get fired. They might even just only get suspended for a time and then come back. Might even then get promoted because I've heard of that happening um, in the past. Um, And so I've seen people and not uneducated people but like very well-educated people saying like at this point if there's a group of black people around or just anybody, right, who sees something like this going on because it is injustice, I feel like though, you know, there's no official law for saying, oh, if you see a police officer um, um, brutalizing people unjustly, you have the right to interfere in it and stop it. Um, I've seen people say, like, if there's enough of you around, you gotta, you gotta physically do something to prevent this from happening because nobody else will and we're not even gonna see the justice for it. So at the very least, we should just defend ourselves. And I feel like, in a sense, when you mean other people with guns around to interfere, not necessarily saying like, oh, you would just go out and start shooting or something like that, but you would defend yourself in the same way in which 
um, police officers claim to defend themselves against unarmed people sometimes when they're detaining them or whatever, right? But I honestly, though in some sense I could understand that concept, these are, these are not random citizens. These are, this is a governing body we're talking about, the police, right? These are people who are in a line of work in which they're supposed to um, they're supposed to go about these situations in truth in the least violent way possible to either prevent other casualties mm. or to then be able to get more information from people who do crimes to either stop other crimes, right? Um, Unless it's like a case of someone is like, you know, there's just no other option besides taking them out because they're going to be a threat to someone else. You know what I mean? Mm. But from what I know just in general about like, you know, um, dealing with um, criminals, you want to try to arrest them. Like that's your main objective so that you could, again, throw them in jail, get the information from them that you can get from them, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but like, honestly... All that, if, if you see something like that coming on and either you try to physically get involved, you are either going to be in the same position in which the person who's being brutalized is in or you're going to go to jail. And chances are you're going to go to jail for a long time because physically trying to even lay a finger on a cop is really considered a major, major mm. offense. Even there's been situations where cops pull people over and people are just trying to like explain to them their rights and they get hostile because... They're hearing citizens yeah, I've seen explain the their I've rights seen to them. Video. So you can imagine a citizen saying, like, yo, what are you doing? Yeah. You so then do, that would definitely yeah, even but, elevate them to do something as heinous as what they're already doing without yeah. that cause. But but you know too, I thought that police officers, right? They're supposed to from my assumption, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but they're supposed to keep the peace. The gun is should be a very last resort. It yeah. shouldn't be the first resort, the second resort, the third, third, plan A, B, C, whatever. should be plan whatever, Z. That's what yeah. it should be. The very last result. Because that, with that, you have the power to quickly kill somebody. Mm-hmm. As opposed to maybe, for example, Eric Garner. He was killed, but he was choked. It might take a little bit longer. This isn't this. Yeah. Gun, immediate. You shoot, you hit the right spot, immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, to me, it's like, you know... The way that the way that this happened specifically was not the right way. You get what I'm saying? And the question arises of who polices the police? Because them in themselves are people just like us. Yeah. They're they have a badge, they have a gun, they might have special training. But at the end of the day, they're imperfect. Yeah. They have faults. They might have prejudices. Who polices the police? That's something that we need to I think that's a good question to ask, and that's something that For sure. maybe it's probably be already been discussed, but you know, something yeah. to think about. Okay, so we're going to move on a little bit, and we're going to talk, I just want to mention, I want to cover the charge, the charge that uh, Derek Chauvin, the police officer who had his knee on George Floyd's neck while George Floyd was laying on the ground, Yeah. and also... Uh, was I, he handcuffed? Or I heard that he was handcuffed. Uh, all I know is that, I mean, from the video, when he was already on the ground on yeah. the road, he wasn't doing anything. Yeah, he was, he was, he was detained. He was, you know, and he was saying, just like Eric Garner in, in New York City, I can't breathe. You remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Derek Chauvin, uh, he has a, a second-degree murder charge. The other officers that were involved have aiding and abetting charges. What do you think about those charges? Do you think that those charges are enough 
do you think that they maybe they need to be uh, moved up? Do they need to be more serious? What is your take and what is your reaction to those charges? Yeah, the actual legality behind the situation, for lack of a better term, you know what? Yeah, it's it's a complex one. I think that's a better word. Um, I was actually watching a video where a lawyer was talking about it and speaking on the charges specifically um, and how Derek Chauvin's charge got moved from a third-degree murder charge to a second-degree murder charge, which um, a second-degree murder charge, unlike first-degree where you go in with the intention of murdering somebody, right? Or, or harming them. Um, that would be first-degree murder, right? If he was like, yeah, I see this guy, and you know what? I want him dead today. Um, <laughs> Second-degree, however, is when you go into a situation not particularly wanting them to die, but you, you knowingly do an act in which that can happen from. Meaning that he might not necessarily have had the intention of killing him by having his knee on his neck for that long, but the fact of the matter is having your knee on someone's neck for that long, anybody really, can... Well, eight minutes is a long time. Yeah, Just especially for that minutes. period of time, Just can definitely lead to the, the death of someone. And so um, the fact of the matter is it being moved from third degree where I believe third degree is almost just like a pure accident almost, you know, like, like, yeah. um, I, I know. Okay. So actually I was reading the Bible and this is when I first noticed about, um, I actually heard something because I, I think it was in the old Testament that it was talking about how if somebody, if someone in Israel, right, accidentally killed somebody. Yeah. I think it was labeled manslaughter. So we still use that term today. We use that term when we talk about um, somebody being killed by somebody else because manslaughter, um, I think in the Bible, if I'm correct, what I was reading was that, you know, it wasn't intentional, it was unintentional versus uh, maybe uh, an intentional murder. So exactly, I'm thinking about what you're saying, is third degree like manslaughter? I don't know all the legal terms and everything, yeah. but if we were looking at manslaughter, I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about that. Manslaughter is like, okay, maybe it's like, if I'm correct, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I killed somebody, didn't mean to kill the person, but I did. I yeah. hit somebody, I punched them in the face, I didn't mean to kill them, they, they died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus actually intentionally killing somebody. I think those are things to yeah. just want to mention. Them. Oh no, for sure. Um, but yeah, based off of the situation, I do believe it's right that the charges had been elevated from third degree to second degree because when you do have your knee on a person's neck, initially, Having a knee on someone's neck should, one should know that, you know, that's a very dangerous move to be partaking in, especially when you already have someone detained, right? Um, then going into it for that long, yeah, you definitely know that what whatever it is that you're doing is harmful to that person. That, I believe. Yeah. Now, um, uh, there were some people saying that, well, it could possibly be elevated from second degree to first degree because I don't know if you knew this, but George Floyd and Derek Chauvin in the past had actually worked together at a nightclub, I believe, at one time. 
And though we also know Derek Chauvin's um, uh, police history as far as the countless, I forget, it's somewhere in the high teens of, of complaints in regards to his own policing, which is which is just baffling how one could have that, but yet still be able to continue that line of work, you know? Especially in such a serious line of work. I'm not, like, belittling the job of police officers. It's a difficult thing, you know? It's it's basically like being in the military, in my opinion, but at home, exclusively, you know what I mean? Um, But that's what you go into and so if you're not able to live up to that standard of how to do your job properly I don't think you should have it but anyway they actually worked together and even at that time um, it was said that George Floyd had interactions with him when he was kind of harassing people um, particularly minorities if they were coming to the club he just didn't have a good sort of demeanor about how he did his job even as a security officer at that nightclub you know he he definitely at that time also sort of wear his prejudices on his sleeve in doing his line of work and so some are saying because he knew him at, and George Floyd would often sometimes tell him like yo like what are you doing come on like relax like you shouldn't be moving this way you know what I mean and so some are saying because of that maybe who knows um they should uh uh, elevate it to that because they knew each other. Maybe he had something out for him. That I can't speak to. I don't I don't know that for certain. But um, that was just something that I had heard. As far as the other officers, though, uh, with aiding and abetting, I can't remember exactly what the charges meant, but I just more so less believe, be, more so less believe that it just means they were around it when it happened. They didn't do anything to try to stop it from going to where it went, especially because of the fact that having your knee on your neck is not part of police protocol. That's not something that you're... I don't know if it's like you're not allowed to do it or you're just not advised to do it. That's. But it's um, just not... It's not something they teach you. They don't teach you yeah. in the academy to have your knee on the neck of a yeah. detainee. And so by them not doing anything, it. I do think they should be held responsible in some regards because at the end of the day, this guy lost his life for... For what? No particular reason. It did not have to get to that point at all. And it escalated. So it I don't escalated. think they're. I don't think they're void of any sort of. I don't of any sort of like judgment. To be quite frank, because you as well are a police officer, and you work in a yeah. team, and you're responsible for each other. Yeah, and it's like you know, and you look at the video, you see Derek Chauvin with obviously on, with his knee on George Floyd's neck, and you see the other police officers around there. One police officer. Uh, standing in front of the camera, looking like he's trying to block the view of, you know, what's happening. It, bruh, it's like, well, what's, I don't know, that, that, what's going on here? You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, and listen, George Floyd was being treated like a dog. You look at that video, that's what I thought. I said, that's what you do to an animal or something like that. That's not yeah, what you... you people but, would even, there's people out there who wouldn't even think to do that to animals. Yeah, and if but, you did, it would be more of an outrage. Yeah, and there's even, yeah, and yeah, but you know, the thing is, is like, bro, again, I would consider that lethal, I mean, lethal force, I mean, it killed him. Yeah. So, and I don't know if you saw the extended, I saw an extended video. If any of you have, uh, if any of you haven't seen the Sky News documentary on YouTube about the George Floyd protest, I think it's called like eight minutes and whatever, however many seconds, whatever. If you look it up on YouTube, you'll find it. Great documentary. It's about an hour. You should look it up. On it, there was a 
there was a part of the video where the paramedics came and George Floyd uh, was laying there. Eventually, I heard something like for, for the last two minutes or something like that, he wasn't even responsive while, while the knee was still on his neck. When the paramedics came, Derek Chauvin was still on his neck. That's insane. That is insane. Yeah. So you see, where, where's, your, where's your heart? It's, where's your heart? Where's this and that? And that's why I think, honestly, I think that there's something... I, that's evil, man. That's just pure evil to me. So you look at his face. He didn't look. He didn't look like there was much emotion on his face when people were saying, "Yo, what are you doing? What is this?" If you watch the video, you'll hear. You can hear people saying, "What are you doing? What? What?" Didn't even move. Didn't do anything. If anything, he moved to adjust himself. I think he might have moved to adjust himself on his neck. But, bro, like, what? Yeah. What is this? You know what I mean? And so, you see that there, there's a real problem here, and I think that there's something demonic about that man. That that was not even normal, to be honest. The fact that his face wasn't even changing, like it showed no remorse. To be honest with you, that looked evil to me. That was straight evil. I think we can agree that it was evil. Yeah. So I just I just want to mention that. I want to move on as we're very close to the end. We have a few more minutes. I've been hearing a lot. Uh, I've been hearing a little bit about uh, police reform and or the abolition of the police in light of this. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Does anything need to be done to the police? Do they need to be reformed? Do you think this should be abolished? Uh, what is your take on that? And if they, if you think they need to be reformed, how so? Um. Okay, so I'm just gonna preface all of this by saying, you know, I'm not a one. I don't particularly consider myself uh, an activist of any kind, and I'm not saying that in uh, a sense of trying to almost sort of unironically say that like oh i'm not this you know super well-educated person about this so therefore you know i have no place to talk about how i feel about or anything but it's just the truth i haven't read as much as other people who have done and that are more knowledgeable of this information even as far as like the police force is concerned however there are some interesting things that i've come to learn about policing and the amount of allocation of money that does go to a lot of police forces, especially in communities that are already over-policed and already um, um, underfunded. And um, I think there are some discrepancies and there's some issues. One of them being, and I didn't know this until very, very recently, but uh, in a lot of police departments, you don't particularly have to be anywhere from the area in which your department actually runs, meaning that you can work in the police department of, let's just say, um, let's just say Oakland, California, but you can live somewhere way else, way apart from that. And so therefore, it kind of separates you from not only the environment, but the people who are there. You don't really see the people that live in those communities as not necessarily equal, but because you're not in close connection to them location-wise, I would imagine that it definitely does separate you in terms of how you may view these people because you don't see them on a very regular, everyday basis. And I thought that that was kind of interesting now, not saying you can't be a cop that does their job well um but yet not live in a particular community but i do think that chances are if 
there was a cop that was from the community or at the very least lived in the community in which they're policing, they would be far less likely to commit such heinous acts against the people that live there because these are people that they see on a regular basis, you know? It would definitely make you far more emotionally connected to these people because you would then realize like, oh, these are just, again, not saying there aren't people who do crimes and do things that are not good, but that exists in all different types of communities. And it's going to be perpetrated by majority of the people. It's going to be perpetrated by the people who are the majority in those communities. And so it's not a race thing in regards to, oh, you know, well, it's just that, you know, black people do more crimes and, you know, um, they are far more likely to get into involvements with police because they're just this distinctly different set of people who do these wrong things. No, there are bad people in all types of communities, and then there are vastly regular, normal, good people in these communities as well. And when I think if people lived in those communities in which they policed, they would be able to understand that more. And so it wouldn't, that wouldn't be as sort of, that I definitely believe it would um, decrease those occurrences in that regard. As far as like overall reform, yeah, I do think the allocation of funds can definitely be can definitely be given to um, other aspects of society that could not only one need them, but to be far better um, equipped to deal with certain situations, right? Because at the end of the day, police officers are not uh, social workers; they're not therapists. Do you know what I mean? Though they should be, in some instica- in some instances, they're not even de-escalators. You know what I mean? They're more like people who ratchet a situation. And so I feel like there might be qualified people who can do and who could work in situations like that. Because not everyone that gets 911 called on them is a straight up, you know, criminal. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just people who might not be in the right headspace. You know what I mean? Sometimes it might be people who are, don't even know they're particularly doing something wrong, right? Sometimes it might not be doing Somet- something wrong. Sometimes they seen, might not be doing anything wrong. Exactly. We've heard about that. And so when you have just police rolling up to these situations and they, they are sort of trained or have a feeling that any situation they go into needs to be this movie-esque operation where they're going to like they're gonna just deck somebody or they're just gonna like you know they're just gonna they're just gonna i don't know just slam throw someone in the slammer you know what i mean um when you have people with that mindset in situations that that's not necessary of course it's gonna sort of make a situation what it doesn't necessarily have to be so if other infrastructures that are better able to handle those situations are funded more then I feel like you would see less of that. It's all about really decreasing the necessity of over-policing by making the infrastructures better. And so that's going to take um, money that a lot of it abundantly is being just put in towards police forces. These guys have tanks. These guys (laughs) have, you know, grenades. They have all these Call of Duty level halo resources that some of some of the stuff is not particularly even in the military and 
they have it for for what? <laughs> to to stunt, I guess. So yeah, I do feel like that would be a good thing. As far as just the total abolition of police, I don't know. There's some that say like, oh, you know, you should just wipe out the entire force because, you know, from the the system from the root up, for the very most part, it's not really it's not really great. It's kind of it's kind of been tainted severely and it's been tainted for a long time. And so some feel like, you know, we kind of just have to wipe it and start anew, whether it be maybe hiring people within the local areas to be a part of that. I don't necessarily know exactly how that work, but I'm not going to say that I'm one. I'm not going to say I'm for that because I don't know exactly how that would work, but I'm definitely not going to say I'm against it too, because I again, don't know how it work and I don't know if mm. that would be better or or not. So I'm going to stay out of it, but I'm not going to, there's some who are, they hear that, you know, they hear defund the police, they hear ab- abolish the police. And for them, because maybe the police in their communities have been overall good to them, they're thinking to themselves, no, why would we do that? You want anarchy? But you have to understand the police for white people in this country is not the same for people of color and especially black people in this country. It's just not. The same feeling when you talked about parents having to have a talk with their kids about police, that's not going on in, for the most part, at least to my knowledge. I've never had anybody that I know white, whether it be friends, whoever, tell me that, oh, they've had their parents talk to them about not wearing a hoodie at night or, you know, making sure that you change your tone of voice if you're talking to a police officer. Don't be blasting your music in your car, you know? And so that's just a testament to the fact that it's not the same. The same sort of um, gentleness and honestly, the proper way of doing your job is not being offered towards people of color in this country. It's not right. And so I could understand why there are people saying, yo, we just need to, we just need to, wipe out all of this and start with something different because it it is in the south specifically police forces were started not war sorry were started as slave patrols like slave catchers that would find people trying to run away from the south and go up north and bring them back to their plantations i mean slavery is not particularly happening in the same form that it had in the past but for an uh, organization to be established in that way is, to me, already not a good sign of the system mm. as a whole. So, yeah, I'm not going to say... I can't say that I am a complete advocate of it, but I am an advocate of something drastically being done differently. Okay. And lastly, we have about one minute left. Uh, very quickly, I'll get you. If you could... If do, do you think that uh, do you have any call of action, a call to action that you like to that you like to mention? Is there anything that um, white people should be doing in general? Black people, young people, do, what should we be doing as people in light of this? What has happened with George Floyd and what that brings to light in terms of just the oppression of the oppression of black people in this country? Um. I well first of all I'll say this I'm glad that you know um we mentioned just a call to action for everyone because at the end of the day anti-blackness and racism is not something 
distinct to white people alone. I mean, and I think part of the problem to an extent is, well, not, I don't want to, let me not say part of the problem, but part of what I feel like dilutes the entire messaging for, you know, actual change of a system that is wrong is this idea of like, you know, white people, we and we alone have to just atone for this wrong that has happened or, you know, you know, it is, it is purely upon us. Now, granted, white people in this country have maintained the most power within it since its history. And so they are not as a whole, but the ones that do, that perpetuate these um, injustices are at the forefront of it. But um, that doesn't speak for every single individual. And so, and that's the same for anybody, whether you're white or not, you know, even black people, even like myself, there's things that I need to and should do that would help the situation. And I don't have any specific um, examples of particularly what to do, because I feel like one can come about that on their own and they can sort of, um, I feel like if you just do either enough searching within yourself to think about what you may want to do to um, help that issue, you can. But I will say this, at the very least, to myself, to anyone who might be listening to this podcast, even to you, if there's one thing that you do, find out who is the governor or mayor of your local city or town. Just literally research and find out who they are. Because I definitely feel like for our generation, though I don't think we're this stupid, you know, self-obsessed sort of millennial entity or Gen Z entity that, you know, a lot of people want to claim us to be. I do think that we've definitely become, in an overall sense, detached from our own self-governing bodies. And so I feel like if we at the very least try to inform ourselves a bit more about that, that will be the domino that falls that leads us into learning more and being more informed and finding out about more things that we can do in the areas in which we're from where we have far more voice and power to do so. Because at a federal level, that's very difficult. We're not going to be able to, not everyone is going to be able to go into Congress and just like lambast every person there, you know, that's just not feasible. Mm -hmm. So at a local level, just figure out, you know, who who's actually running the city that you're from? Who Who's in charge of the things that are happening where you actually live and if they're not things that you want to see happen or if they're things that are not good for you as well as your community then make your voice heard and fight to change that on a local level because if that happens collectively we can see a greater change okay i got you you're saying find out who who's in charge in your local area find out who's in the government Yep. And there you go. Okay. I'll do that tonight. All right. Very well. <laughs> thank you, Ogechi, for no, coming. No. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Ogechi, very much for coming on the podcast. Uh, very quickly, uh, I just want to say if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Tell your friends, your family, everyone about this podcast that you can. Also, if you are on Instagram, you can follow uh, me at, at Dropping Into Life. Also, you can visit droppingintolife.com. Thank you again. And until next time, this is Dropping Into Life.